Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. All right, all you life uncloseted people, you know, you know, you know that one of the things that always gets in the way in our lovely little journey coming out of the closet, deep breaths, God and religion. Oof. But what do you do when you find a partner who really says, you know what, I think I'm going to be, you know, and in his own words, obstinately hopeful that the church can change the world in the right way and that he's taking some stands for us. He is a really cool pastor and author. I've been reading his book, almost finished with it. His name is Colby Martin. His book is Unclobbered. And he really talks about these Bible passages that literally clobber our LGBTQ world. And he's not just like, here's the surface. This is how you want to look. I got to say, man, you've done some research here. So welcome to the podcast, Colby, because as I've been reading your book, I'm like, this guy has dug deep and dug deep and dug deep. So um, thanks for doing what you do, man. Hey, Rick, this is so much fun. Uh, You said you almost finished it. You want to like pause the recording and go wrap it up really quick and then come back? Almost finished what? The book you said you're almost finished. I'll, I'll wait. Well, I'll wait till you go finish. I, I know we could. I, I thought, you know, he's gonna be a smart ass about that because he's gonna go, You haven't finished it. Why are we doing this? Right? But, I'm um, totally kidding. No, uh, hey, you know, what's been interesting is as I've been reading it, I've been like, I literally, ever since we said yes to the dress for this, you know, conversation, hmm. I thought, Well, I could pound through this, and I'm like, You know, I'm gonna take my time with it because I want to like. As soon as I read a, a little, not just a little bit of it, the first couple of chapters, I'm like, okay, I have to take some breaths because I'm like, wow, he's showing me some stuff. I mean, I mm. knew where I stand because I'm a gay man. Sure, I'm like, sure. uh, this is just who I am. I, I, you know, hey, thanks, Jesus, for making me who I am. But um, it, it's been an interesting journey to read it, Matt, because I see the depth. I see your own personal pain that you went through and continue probably at some points to actually experience from time to time. But I also saw the heart and soul of what I believe uh, being a true Christian is. Mm. Just calling it like it is. Mm. And um, for those who've never heard about you, I'm going to shut up now and it's all yours. So there we go. I'm going to go read the book. You take over. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I mean, we're halfway there because your 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 podcast is is uncloseted with a big old UN mm-hmm. and uh, similarly, mm-hmm. uh, I call this work that I do unclobber, which yep. is a term that I came up with uh, shortly after getting fired, which I talk about in the book, fired from yep, my yep. Uh, the the evangelical mega church that I was working at just outside of Phoenix. Uh, they fired me once they became aware of the fact, Rick, that my theology had shifted right. from my Baptist conservative roots uh, into a space of uh, full affirmation and inclusion. Uh, an embrace and celebration of those who identify LGBTQ. And they found out about that, spoiler alert, uh, because I made the mistake, like I'm doing this, 
the scare yeah. quotes the, the podcast can't hear those, those, my, yes. my fingers are squeaking squeaks yes, like squeak. exactly i just turned 40 i don't know if my joints are making that much sound yet oh but, shut uh, up I, ju- I just turned 59 the squeaks get much louder <laughs> man just telling you <laughs> so it's like yeah like in 2011 uh obama uh signed the repeal of don't ask don't tell which was the right. uh the, the military ban against uh gays in the military yeah uh, and I, at that time in my life, I had theologically shifted, uh, as I mentioned a second ago, away from kind of this traditional historic Christian stance, which is just very myopic and very narrow and very restrictive and obviously full of condemnation and judgment, et cetera, uh, and and moved into a a space of, of realizing that the church has, in my opinion, the church has gotten the Bible wrong on this topic and has gotten God wrong on this topic, which I know was a big audacious claim to make, but I'm still making it like, what, like, I, I'm sorry, we're, we're wrong. And the church has been wrong before. Uh, the church is not ex- exempt from getting it wrong. The church used to think that the earth was the center of the universe. And then along came Galileo. Who's like, what if the data shows differently? Right. <laughs> Can we hold that? Can we, be open to the possibility that we have been wrong. Um, the church was wrong pretty disastrously about the idea of uh, white people being able to own black people uh, uh-huh. like and, and using certain Christian teachings as justification for that. Ugh. So anyway, mm-hmm. so um, it's not, it's not outside of the realm of possibility for someone to come along. And I'm certainly not the first one. Of course, but for people to cut, maybe a better way to say it, for people to come along and say, Hey, y'all, we've been teaching this thing, thinking this thing, believing this thing for a really long time. I think it's time we, we, we evaluate that we do an audit on that. So I did an audit on this particular belief around 2009, 2010 realized that, uh, yes, my opinion is that the church has gotten the Bible wrong, has gotten God wrong, has misused and misunderstood about six verses in the Bible to justify their discrimination against those who identify LGBTQ. And therefore I am now in the fully affirming camp, but Rick, I worked at a church where I could not tell anybody this Yep, because it wasn't safe. And you know that it is unsafe. like yeah. your audience knows that um, for the, for those in my line of work, I've been a pastor now for about 20 years. Um, the first 10 of those were in that evangelical world. And you just, you couldn't really talk about these things openly. You weren't safe to. So then when, uh, to go back to Obama repealing, don't ask, don't tell. And then I made that quote mistake. There's the squeaky air quotes again of putting on my Facebook page, mm-hmm. a link to an article announcing the repeal. And I just put six words. I'm glad this day finally came. And I was just talking Rick in right. at least my conscious mind, at least my conscious right. mind. I, I have, I, as more, more years pass, I'm like, no, I think your, your soul was like, sabotaging you i think like your your deep self knew like yes. you needed to set off a bomb but at the time i was just like yo this is just a discriminatory practice and isn't it great that it's not a thing anymore uh but that really served as like a, a signal to my church community uh that maybe something's going on with pastor colby and they freaked out comments you know left tons of comments overnight of like whoa is our church now supporting the gay agenda uh, which nobody's ever passed. I'm still waiting for my copy, uh, Rick, of the agenda. I'm like, oh, Come I on, have I, it. Would you like you to do? Have, yes, I, I do. It's right here. It's on the side of my desk. It's about. I've been working this. <laughs> okay, I've been working. So now hard people can't. I wish people could see some of the stuff we're doing. Like, okay, I'm just doing like it's really thick. It's like this tall, right? It's like the tax code. Just and we're still you talking. Know. To- 
And we're still talking about the agenda. Yes, we're talking about yeah, the great. agenda. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, see, I can have that fun with you too. We won't go to the <laughs> other innuendo, but I know some of my listeners just went there like, what are these two guys talking about here? But yes. but it is interesting because that's yeah. it. It's like it's like uh, wait, I I don't have a gay card number 1 even though we joke about that and yeah. I don't I don't have a stack of agenda here. I yeah. just choose to be a human and live my life. Is that okay, folks? Obviously yeah. not, but Yeah. Yeah. But uh, interesting. So that led to me getting fired a couple of days later. Uh, and that's what part of the book Unclobber is about is right. tells that story of growing up evangelical, shifting theologically, navigating, getting fired from this church community um, and settling into what my wife and I started here in San Diego uh, eight years ago, our, our progressive Christian church here. And then the other half of the book, as you mentioned, is um, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the fruit of my labors of diving into what have, and I don't know where the term came from, but some point along the way, they got called the clobber passages, mm -hmm. These the six verses or so that have historically been misused to clobber uh, queer folk. So whatever it was 10 years ago, I wanted to unclobber these verses. I wanted to defang them. I wanted to right. show that they do not say what we've always been taught they say. And that's kind of where the term unclobber came from. And I think that's how I started this whole thing by saying, you're leaving, I'm taking over the podcast and it works because uncloseted and unclobbered work together. Okay. Our work here's they done. Do. I, start, yeah, I landed done. the okay. plane. <laughs> There we go. So we can, we can just show up on Sunday and, you know, we'll have some more conversation. But I love this because it's interesting as I've been reading your book, and I do see this interesting parallel to the uncloseted and unclobber, hmm. is as soon as you put that UN in front of it, it's like, wait, oh, so we got to think differently about this? Got to think different. That's right. You know, so, and what's interesting about this podcast, it was very LGBTQ oriented, still is, but we talk about a lot of other uncloseting stories now. Like what mm. does it mean to uncloset yourself from a belief that you can't lose weight or what's mm. uncloseting yourself to the reality that yes, maybe divorce is the way out, you know, uncloseting your beliefs around politics and other things. So it's interesting that you, when you start to realize the power of your message, there's other places in the Bible that probably need to be unclobbered too, that are on other issues. And I'm sure. sure you've seen that as you've explored it. But what I know as I don't know if Seventh-day Adventism would, it's probably considered at this point somewhat evangelical in some ways. I started to realize the hypocrisy and the picking and choosings. And I realized that at a very young age. Hmm. I mean, I was, I had just, I shouldn't say young age, but no, it was already cropping up in my high school years. But then when I got to college at a Seventh-day Adventist college, and the pressure was really on to like, you're going to do this Bible class for a grade and you're going to, you will get out of your dorm room and you will be in church and there's a checklist and everybody signs off that you walked into church. I'm like, there's something wrong here, folks. Wow. There was a this legit is... checklist. Oh yes. Oh yes. There were dorm checks. There were dorm oh, checks yeah, that yeah, they yeah. would come through the dorm and make sure that you were gone to church or week of prayer or whatever it was and you had to be and and almost like you got a grade for all of this and then even as a piano player at the time i'm like i'm going to continue you know learning my craft and everything and when i was told well you can do classical and you can do church hymns i'm like i don't <laughs> think that's where i'm going to learn to be a really good pianist uh -huh, I'm so, uh -huh. i mean classical one yes but and so I found the hypocrisy already starting to show up. And then, of course, when I saw some of our lovely leaders within the church get caught with their pants down and mm. cheating, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. How does this work this way, folks? Yeah. 
you know and of course i got lambasted because uh, i was one of the rebels i would skip out on church on saturday morning and i would head in i so i went to school close to chattanooga and i'd skip out and i was going to a dance class in chattanooga supposedly signed out to go to a church in chattanooga i never did get quote caught per se but then i'm like you know what if i can get out and go do a dance class because it wasn't every week i could go explore some other churches now they didn't care what you did on sunday as long as you were there on saturday you were doing what you're supposed to so i started venturing out on sundays and going to other churches and of course i made the mistake of telling my parents i was doing that and they're like no Mm. that's not the church you Mm. we're the church and i'm like okay again wait pause let's put this thought on hold there's only one church. There's only one way into this whole thing we call heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as I unraveled my truth to my parents, that was where everything that most of us in the LGBTQ queer community here is, ah, well, guess what? You're going to hell, which really isn't any of the stuff that actually gets said, as you've well learned from your own discoveries along the way here. So I know what you put out there. The audience is going to learn about it. I'm encouraging them to go get your book. But as you were doing this work, not only you shifted, you know, your own perspectives on these passages, but I'm curious what shifted for you in your own personal life? Mm. Mm -hmm. Because I know as I've opened my life up and shared, there's many shifts. I'm like, wow, don't call other people hypocrites, Rick, if you're going to be a hypocrite too. Yeah. I started to see other pathways. So I'm curious behind what we already know what started to shift for you yeah i think part of how i would respond to that actually is by going back to something you said a minute ago um as it relates to the hypocrisy you noticed in the church and then you you used the term uh, picking and choosing Mm. or 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 cherry picking uh And that's sort of for the non-religiously affiliated folk, that's kind of shorthand way of saying that there is a tendency within religiosity to gravitate towards some parts of your sacred text and maybe ignore other parts. And so we pick the parts that work well for us. We pick the parts that align with our personality. We pick the parts that were maybe given to us at an early age as these are the ones that are like really the most true. And then we choose those maybe over and against others. So the reason why I started there is because in my, in my many years in the evangelical world, growing up, being trained, working in it, this concept of picking and choosing was used like pejoratively as a, as a way to kind of inoculate the sayer of the thing right. from the doing of the thing, which is to say there is this belief within a lot of, I, I think, conservative and or evangelical Christianity, there's this belief that they do not pick and choose, but anyone who believes differently from them clearly is picking and choosing. Mm-hmm. And the assumption is because if you weren't picking and choosing, you would believe the same thing I believe, right? And this right. is sort of the air of, of, of human thinking that, it shows up in many ways in life is no, 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 no. You should think the way that I think. And if you don't, here's the reasons why. And if you fix those reasons, then obviously you'll see that what I think is true. What I, one of the big shifts for me, uh, Rick, in the last decade plus is a, everybody picks and chooses. Everybody yep. 
picks and chooses. And two, so what? And the reason why I say so what is because picking and choosing is just kind of the, the street term, the slang, the quick and easy way to say, what's your hermeneutic? And hermeneutic is just an overly fanciful way to say, what are the lenses that I wear that guide my interpretation of a holy text? Yep. When I now come to, and I was just arguing, arguing, maybe that's not the right word. I was just engaging with an individual on Instagram the other day. Oh, arguing sounds <laughs> uh, so much better. I know, but I try to really not because right. right. it doesn't no. really lead to anything no. positive ever. But they were they were saying how illogical it is to elevate, they said to elevate the red letters, which is like the words, the teachings of Jesus. They're like, it's illogical to see the red letters as more important or more valuable or more true than the others. And I responded with actually, it feels the opposite to me. It feels the most logical thing to more heavily weight the teachings of Jesus. If we're going to buy into the idea, like the author of Hebrews says that Jesus was the exact representation of God, the express image of God, which is a way of saying, you want to know what God looks like, which by the way, Rick, no one knows what God looks exactly. like. Okay. So we're kind of like SOL on that. But if exactly. you want to, the, the author of Hebrews is basically saying, if you want your best shot at it, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. And then, so Jesus, the exact representation of God. And then also the opening words of the gospel of John, what does John call Jesus? The word of God. So for me, this whole idea of picking and choosing I'm like, no, the most logical thing is that we read everything else in the Bible. If we're going to have any appreciation or respect for the Bible, we read it all through the lens of Jesus. So we pick and we choose. Yes, that is our hermeneutic. So when I get to some passage that talks about the, the, the oh God, the, the wrath of God or the, the punishment or the condemnation or judgment of God, I immediately am like, Ugh. yes, that doesn't sit well with me obviously for many reasons. But when I go to passages like, I don't know, Jesus talking about, for instance, uh, the story that we call the prodigal son. And we have this individual who the second he turns around, he's been basically hiding from, you can imagine someone who like turns their back on the son, the SUE son for a hundred years. They just turn their back. They live in darkness. The second they turn around, guess what's there? The son's there. The son was always there. Mm -hmm. S-U-N. I realized I shouldn't have picked the story of the prodigal son as my example. If I'm also going to use the metaphor of the son S-U-N as my metaphor, but whatever, the listener can follow along. The second right. you turn around, the light's there. It was always there. It mm -hmm. never wasn't there. And all there was nothing you had to do. So my point in all this is that I pick and I choose. Yes, 100%. And I start from the, the grounding place that God is love. I actually think that verse right there in the book of 1 John, God is love can be essentially the summation of the entirety of what humans have ever discerned about God. God is love. I start plain from it. there. Plain and uh, simple. It's plain, it's plain it. And then we work from there. And obviously understanding what love is and what love isn't is a, is a complicated lifetime exploration. But this idea of God judging people, like get out of here with that. Get out of here with that. What, what parent to, what good parent? I mean, there's obviously... I almost said the S H I T T word, but I forgot to ask you what your explicit tag is. I, on this. I know um, we can say whatever the fuck we want. So okay. So like a really shitty parent <laughs> would be an asshole to their, to their kids, but like yes. a, just a decent parent when their young child does something quote unquote wrong, 
they show up with the heart of love and compassion of like, oh, well, of course you did that thing because you're just a child. My only point is like, is if at least a, a average parent can go to their child with this unconditional posture of love, scale that up to the God of the universe. God is only love. God is not judgment. God is, there is no judgment in the concept of love. There just isn't room for it. And all the Christians that want to tell you that no, God is both holy and just and loving and righteous. All they're really saying is, I really want to make sure I can still be judging. I really want to make sure that I can still be self-righteous. I want to hold on to these parts of me because I need them. I need them to assuage my own insecurity. I need them to be able to distance myself from you. I need to be able to feel good about the fact that I don't like myself. So I got to hold on to my own self-righteousness. I got to hold on to my own capacity to judge. And I need that to be then a part of God so that I can justify that. So yes, God is both loving and judge. But really what they're saying is, no, God's love is only seen through the lens of judge for me. And that's what I pick and choose over. And I say, F that. No, God is love. Yep. Get rid of the judgment and you're good to go. Which is really hard. hundred percent really to do. hundred no, percent. I, I mean, I, I oper- try my best to operate from that space. And I actually, when I'm working with my clients that are coming out, mostly my clients are in midlife coming out of the closet. It's like, first of all, you need to start with realizing you are loved, mm-hmm. which was really hard mm-hmm. because most Okay, so mostly work with men in midlife coming out of the closet. Most guys who are in their late 30s, early 40s, 50s, you know, now that things are moving forward, but initially they were all baby boomers. So they all grew up in this world of you're going to hell. This is just the way it is. Not that that doesn't exist still today, but it's really hard to help them see that they're loved and who they are is loved. When everything else is piled on top of all that, you got to get down into that depth, right? Yeah. And can I say something about that real quick? Yeah, yeah. So those messages, think about this, Rick. Uh, Those messages that you are worthless, that you are a sinner, that you are deserving of wrath, um, those messages were given to us at a young age. And they there's no way for those messages to be given to us with an asterisk that says, but make sure this goes into a different part of your brain that later on yep. in life you can evaluate. It all goes into the same bucket right alongside two plus two equals four and the earth is round. And this is how photosynthesis work. Like our brain is just receiving all of right. this as factual data about the world around us. So of course, when we grow up into age 30, 40, 50, as you said, when we start to question that, so many people ask me like, how do like, I, I like what you're saying. It makes sense to me, but like deep in my bones, I still feel like it's wrong. I still feel I'm like, of course you feel like it's wrong. Of course, right. but don't confuse that feeling with like the Holy spirit convicting you. All that is, is your body saying, Whoa, we have lived as though this thing were just factually true for decades now. And now you wanting to change things on us. Give us some time to process that because this is going to take a while. Like our sweet brains just don't yep. know the difference. It's going to take time. And that's just what I wanted to say really quick, because those messages were put inside us at a young age when our brains were just receiving everything as what is true. So, of course, it's going to be hard for us to, to work through that. But that's a key critical piece to the journey. It doesn't matter. OK, so we can actually take this outside of the realm of even coming out. I mean, there's so much other stuff in our in, in our being that we've been told this is what it is. This is what it is. It, you know, we can. I don't even want to go there, but this is part of the reason that that political stuff is going down the way it's going down right now. This is, if this is what you believe, this is what you believe. And it's been ingrained in all this sort of stuff. And back to when I was talking about um, like exploring other churches, the whole time I was doing that, oh my God, I was in such conflict. 
Because mm. I kept sitting there going, I think I'm going to go to hell if I want to be here. Church. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here, right? <laughs> but then I'd walk out and go, wow, that was something interesting. Because, okay, so we're going to go really like raw truth here. Seventh-day Adventists, for, and I don't know because I don't practice at this point, but when I was growing up, guess who the evil were? It was the Catholic Church. The yeah. Catholic Church was the beast. They were the sign of the beast. Yeah. And then I went to a Catholic church. I'm like, okay, this shit goes on way too long, but <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of just ritual here. But yeah. when I went to a pretty progressive Catholic church, I learned some stuff. I'm like, wow, that's a different take on how I thought about this. But then as soon as I walked out, is there somebody waiting with a clipboard outside going, Rick went and and this is the weird crap that the clipboard thing church. kills me. <laughs> oh no, this is for real. When I was in high school, I'm so sorry. <laughs> when I was in high school, now I didn't live in the dorms in high school. I lived in what we called the quote village. I lived in town, and there was a you know a, a so high school dorm, Seventh Day right? Swanky. They would sit outside of the movie theater in town. <sighs> And write down if there was any Seventh-day Adventist kids going in the movie theater, because that was not what we were supposed to do. So this is how, so every bit of back to this, what's down in that space of, you know, buried Jeez. under all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was warped for a while. Like I, you know, of course my family's like, we're going to the movies, let's go see a movie, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's such an interesting thing because everything you and I are talking about actually can be applied to many things outside yeah. of who we are, not just yeah. homosexuality and being queer and all this stuff. It all weighs in. And one of the things that I've noticed with my clients, it's so interesting. And I'm going to say 100% of the time, because I've seen this happen with every client I've worked with, I don't know, thousands of clients at this point. They come in with this, like, I need to free myself to be who I am in my sexuality or gender identity, whatever it might be. And about two to three months in, depending on how long we work, but usually it's at least six months. Suddenly there's this other belief that just suddenly like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I should really go for that kind of job. Well, I don't believe I could ever lose weight. I'm like, oh, <laughs> bitch, here we go. There she is. Here there we go. Because guess mm -hmm. what? It's all over again. And suddenly, as soon as I help mm -hmm. them start linking that all together, it's one of the, and it's one of the most powerful things that actually I feel like was one of the greatest divine interventions I ever had in my business was when and the reason life and closet even came into being i used to be called the coming out lounge that's all we talked about and when that moment hit where i'm like this conversation is so much bigger than the queer community it's so much bigger because that's why i decided to start telling these other stories because i wanted people to see the coming out process to come out as gay bi trans whatever it might be is the same process to say I'm no longer going to play in the evangelical religious space. I'm going to go find my own answers and be who I really want to be. That's it's right. the same process. Yep. And it's the same garbage that's in there layered over and over again. Okay. So it has a different flavor, but it's really the same stuff. Yeah. So back to just... you, because it's all about you. I saw the same thread as mm. I've been reading your book, because I could see, like, I could see the tie-ins without you actually saying it to like, if you all go to like, if you learn the lessons on this unclobbering passion stuff, you can go uncover a whole lot of other places. This same stuff gets used right. over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you most proud of from this whole experience so far? Uh, 
the unclobber experience or your and I conversation your, for the last 20 well, minutes? Well, you know, yes. I'm hoping you like will really give me <laughs> accolades. Like, oh my God, he's the best podcast host I've ever worked with. But no, 100, 100. Um, freak, man. I've learned, I mean, I've, I've, the, the, the lessons are myriad. So a few that come to mind are when I, as I say in the book, when I came out of the theological closet, right, to talk right. about the different ways that, that term is helpful. When I came out of the theological closet and when I got fired from that church, I still didn't really know any gay people. Mm. Um, now, I did. I didn't really know they were gay, but I certainly didn't have any gay friends, right. um, which I came to find out later is is a relatively uncommon way for folks to shift theologically. Oftentimes what happens is either themselves, they come to like reckon with their own sense of orientation or identity. And they're like, I guess I should probably reevaluate what I think here or someone close to them, a brother or a cousin or a parent or whatever comes out and forces them to like, like do the work to reevaluate. My, my heart says, love this person. My head says, judge this person. What do I do? Um, that wasn't my experience. And I talk about this in the book a little bit. My, my experience was more just attempting to find a kind of theological integrity within myself. Like I had never really studied this. I just was regurgitating sort of the, the party line. Um, so I tell you that because when I think one of the biggest things that I've learned and I'm learning these last 10 years is, and I reflected on this a couple of weeks ago when our church, um, our church gets a contingent in the pride parade here in San Diego every year. And mm-hmm. uh, I, as someone who has moved through the a world that is relatively set up well for me, right. A straight mm-hmm. cisgendered white um, man who happens to even have a, a body type and a face structure that the world says, good. We like that. Like the world has been. Oh, just say it. A sexy white guy. Let's just go there. Okay. I'm just going to call it out. That's who Thank you, you are. Thank you. Uh, podcast listeners. I was, I was chatting Rick during that last yes, moment there. In the Zoom, and I'm like, can you please just find a way to, to, to kind of just <laughs> casually drop in sexy white guy. So we did it. Thank you. I feel my, my, my writer requirements have been met. Um, there you go. What was I saying? Oh, yes. Uh, I, so as someone who has just kind of gone through life in that way, I have learned immense um, lessons and truths from those who are queer about things such as resilience, um, what it means to live free with like talk about the pride parade is just this glorious celebration of oh that's what liberation looks like that's what liberation sounds like that's what liberation feels like when you've just sort of been going like myself going through a world that just kind of quote unquote works for you the concept of like what it means to live free is something i'm still trying to figure out because i haven't consciously been aware of how trapped i am now I am trapped, super trapped. (laughs) So nobody doesn't, nobody is not trapped, but to see the queer community find a kind of liberation uh, for someone like me is like, damn, that looks real freaking good. Uh, But then even maybe just as much as the liberation piece, Rick, and this is something I've been reflecting on a lot lately, is how much 
compassion I see in the, in the queer community. The amount of grace, like queer folk, they get grace and compassion a million times better than us silly straight folk. We think we know it, but, but y'all are like black belt levels because you have learned how to take the, the, the hatred from the world, take the shunning from your community, take the disappointment from your parents. And you have learned how to like jujitsu all that back into this, this loving kindness posture of like, yeah, but guess what, mom, guess what, dad, I, I still love you. Like, I get it. I'm not welcome here. Or I get it, church. You don't want me here. That's, I understand that. That makes sense to me. But guess what? I still love you. Like that, that sort of black belt level of compassion for me uh, is something I, I could only talk about um, prior to really get, doing life together with my, with my queer friends now mm-hmm. and, see, and see them extend grace and kindness and compassion. Like, oh, Oh, that's how it's done. I get it. I get it. I'm so glad you said that because it's one of the tools that I use most with my own community. Cause I can be a vicious bitch. I'm just going to say it. It's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> you are doing this to your own community, mm-hmm. which is exactly why you struggled so much to be who you are. So stop it already. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're all perfect. Cause we're not, we're none no. of us are perfect, but it all belongs. We got to embrace that part of yeah, us too. Yeah, we got to embrace yeah. that. You know, and we've seen this a lot in the like, okay, the embracing of the trans community and the non-gender conforming and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I've heard my fellow community say, can we just have the plain rainbow flag back? I'm like, that's your perspective. But you know what? It, let's be inclusive here because we wouldn't be where we are if we that's didn't right. get included, you that's know? Right. But it's also one of the hardest lessons to come to in your own self. And one of the things that you have on your website, on the church website, which is Sojourn Grace, so see how smoothly I just worked that in, (laughs) SojournGrace.com, is one of the things that I feel like if everybody can step back into their core values, like really say, this is what I value. This is what's important to me. This is what I stand upon. This is what I live by. And take them to their deepest core essence. Things can be a whole lot different. If I value integrity, if I value honesty, if I value, you know, friendships and I value humanity, I just love it when somebody says I value humanity and then off you go and you vote for, off you go and do some of this stuff. <laughs> I just like, wow. Yeah, and and yeah, I have yeah. friends that are there and, and yeah. you know, depending yeah. on where we're headed, I'm probably going to become a little more vocal. It's like, you can tell me to my face how much you love me and you think my husband and I are great and you just voted for what? Yeah. Really? It doesn't work. Yeah. So look at your core values. And this is something that right out the gate, and a lot of my listeners have heard me say this before, but I think this is a crucial to our conversation. The best place to know how to be who you want to be in the world is truly know your core values and stand in them solidly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to not be easy at times, but I know every time I say this is what's important to me and I stand in it, I am so much more settled. I'm so much more stronger and I am so much more empowered. And I feel like your entire journey that continues came from your own core values. This book would have never come out. Your journey from the church into your own church, moving and all those things you went through to get where you are um, is because you chose the path of I'm going to stand in my core values, plain and simple. And you're also going to operate from a place of God is love. 
yep. two simple messages. Yep. So we could have just said all that at the beginning. We could have been done like, you know, 25 minutes ago, man. But I'm glad we didn't. Though. I'm glad we didn't either. But uh, <laughs> your church, tell us a little bit about Sojourn Grace, because I feel like it's such a, it's just a beautiful gem. Yeah. Thanks, man. So uh, I guess just over eight and a half years ago now, my wife and I, um, I had just been fired from my second church in two years. So I, I talked earlier about the church that fired me for the theological. And now, then what, I, are you gonna do if you, what are you going to do if you fire yourself from your own church? So that's going to be a whole nother story, man. Just I kind of feel like that'd be the the perfect way to end it all. It's just also like just three <laughs> times, three strikes and I'm out. Um, but after the end of that second uh, experience, we had, which was here in San Diego, just kind of a dumpster fire that right. I never should have gotten involved with. Um, Kate and I, we had built some pretty wonderful relationships uh, here with people that said, look, look, if you'll stick around in San Diego, like you two are, we're our pastors anyway, like we'll, fo we'll follow you and we'll support this thing. So we, right. you know, did the typical living room. People came over on a Sunday morning uh, and then that lasted for a few months and went to a grade school and then rented out space in a church. And anyway, so when we were trying to think of what to call this, this wild new idea we we landed upon this term sojourn which is a word that just means like a short stay somewhere just a, a sojourn is you just you know you're just going to be here for a little bit of time and we intuited from a very early stage that one of our primary purposes as an organization was to be a soft landing place for people when they were exile when they were kicked out of their families their churches their communities when they had when they were in their shift away from their more conservative roots and towards something more open and progressive we wanted to be a soft landing place for them to find belonging and healing and to say yeah you're not alone like everyone else in this room here also has stories to tell about the way the church harmed them about the way the leaders abused them about the way that their family neglected them and and we knew though that rick that that what we weren't going to be was an organization that was like, and now that you're here, here's how you become a member. And here's how we lock you in. And here's how we ensure that you never leave. Like, cause we are the right place for everybody for all time. Like, like, no, that's absurd. We, we knew that we were like trying to heal people from these ideas that got ex from the clipboard. We were trying to heal people from the stupid ideas that there's a clipboard checking your attendance every Sunday we had to like convince people, you don't have to come to church. God's fine. God's fine with you. There's never a point where like God's mad at you. God's God is love for you. How cool is that? So you don't have to come to church. And then eventually people would start believing us and then they would take us up on that. And then we'd never see them again. So we graduate, right. we've graduated a lot of people through sojourn in our eight and a half years. It's part of why awesome. our organization has never grown all that much. Because our back door is as big as our front door. People come, they get the healing they need, and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm good. Um, now, that does make it hard to be like a sustainable organization because then people, you know, leave. And, and oftentimes their wallets were the last thing, for very good reasons, their wallets were the last thing to reopen in the church context. Um, so anyway, so it was, in, in that regard, it was hard to build like a sustainable organization that could actually fund the people who worked for it. Um, but I would still rather we did what we did, which was bring to it a posture of openness that we're here for how you need it to find healing and belonging and wholeness. And then if you need to move on, like that makes all the sense in the world. So we've been doing that 
uh, you know, like I said, for eight and a half years now. And it is a diverse, eclectic group of humans. Um, I don't know, half maybe identify as Christian. The other half, I don't even know if they've used that term. Um, we call ourselves a progressive Christian church just because it helps locate a little bit like in our world, what people can expect when they come. Um, but uh, it's 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 one of the things I'm just most proud of in my life that, 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 I've, that I've been a part of. It's awesome. And we're online. We're online now thanks yes, to the yes. pandemic. So anyone and everyone can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific. Um, we, I think we put on, put on, what am I? Barnum, Barnum Bailey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think we. Yeah. You're we putting off, the greatest show on earth on. So we just... offer, we offer one of the best like live stream experiences for a community like ours. Uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's a great time. So it's such if a people good thing join that, us, that, you know, okay. Yeah. The pandemic quote unquote sucked, but it opened up so many more avenues of how for we can sure. connect. Yes. I started, I started a, a group. So I had just, I have another podcast called 40 plus gay men, gay talk, which was 40 plus real men, real talk when it started. And it had started right before the pandemic. And I'm like, I want to talk to all guys. You know, I've got some stuff to say to all guys. I want, and I've done some retreats where it's a mixture of gay men and straight men. And man, we just talk about powerful, you know, mm. transformations. And um, so I'm like, cool. And then I started noticing that, you know, I had great guests and everything. Here comes the pandemic. I'm like, I'm going to hold this group together. We're going to do some live stuff via Zoom, keep this community going. And then I started noticing that, okay, it looks like all these guys are gay guys. You know, mm -hmm. like, right? my gaydar was going mm -hmm. off. I'm like, and mm -hmm. I knew a lot of them, but anyway, but, and I thought, interesting, that group is still alive today. Mm -hmm. And that like, they, they are just hungry for community. And they're, there's guys that, I mean, I never know how many people are going to actually show up only happens once a month but i've had guys from clear across the world like i've had guys get up middle of the night because we do it at five o'clock in the evening yeah. so yeah. It's, it's middle of the day middle of the night in some place and they're like yeah i, I want to be here and it's such a beautiful thing so i think that's a wonderful thing for everybody to know that you can go to sojourn.com and see the live stream on sundays you can get um colby's book anywhere you can buy books and um anything that's in the works man yeah, I'm uh, in, in the process of writing my third book. I did have a, another book that came out um, right. just one month after the pandemic started. So absolutely nobody gave a rat's ass uh, because at that time people were buying books. No, like we have data on this, like yeah. a month after the pandemic back in early April of 2020, when my second book came out, we have data that, that the books that were selling were like the base level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like people were just returning to how do I grow potatoes? How do I survive? Right. So anything right. that had to do with like spiritual transformation, nobody cared about. So nobody right. really knows that I have a second book that came out called The Shift, Surviving and Thriving After Moving from Conservative to Progressive Christianity. So it's like a survival guide for becoming a progressive Christian. But anyway, so I'm working on a third book right now. Uh, it's going to be all about sin. Mm. which I think is a word that is used way too much in conservative worlds yeah. for control and shame and just all sorts of horrible things. But then over in progressive world, we don't talk about it at all. Mm. And I think mm -hmm. it's in many ways for good reason, because we're like, uh, no F that all the other stuff. Right. But then also we haven't really figured out how to talk about the ways in which we cause harm and suffering to ourselves and to others. And we don't have a recipe for restoration or um, redemption. Uh, and so I, a couple of years ago, I did some research into this idea of sin and I came across some 
pretty phenomenal things that have been life-changing for me and life-changing for those that I've shared the ideas with. So I'm working on that book right now. Cannot wait to release that out. I think it could be a game changer. So uh, people can go to colbymartinonline.com and that's where I sort of hold all the things that I do. I've got a I've got a Substack newsletter people can subscribe to um, on Instagram. You got a great, you got a great free resource too on, Thanks, on the Unclobber. Um, yes. I've shared, I've shared numerous times with people. Go to this link. Get this. If you're really struggling with the whole religion thing, this is probably one of the best resources I've found oh, out there. And I've been man. doing this a long time. And so, thanks, you know, I'm always looking for those great resources that I can share. Plus, you know, Colby also sent me a message before I came on saying, you got to help me build my list, man. So make sure you mention that. So just call him down. Always, always, always. But, um, <laughs> okay. Well, before we came on, uh, you know, we kind of said, as soon as I said, okay, we're done, we're done. So we're done. There we are. You know, kidding. I really just want to hit command Q and quit. Just I'm sure take you take you up you, on that. Just absolutely you're, take you're, you up on that. You're just kind just, of like I'm done boom, with this. Guy. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> no, this has been great. Thanks so much, Rick. <laughs> of course, and it's been great. And for all of you listeners, um, you kind of know what's probably coming here momentarily because you, if you've been a listener for a while, you know I always do this. <clears throat> I'm going to do it a little bit differently this go around because I have been moved by Colby's book so much. Usually, I give a book away. This time, I'm giving five books away. So if you want Colby's book, you email me, rick at rickclemens.com. I'm actually not going to put restrictions on this like I have done. I know there's some of you guys that really love getting the books. And I've said, if you've already gotten a book this year, nope, you can't get one. I am going to open it up like the first five people who send me that email. You will get shipped the book from me because I believe in what Colby's helping, especially if you're really super struggling. And I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, Victor who actually was the one who turned me on to you and said, you need to have this guy on the podcast. And I'm giving him that shout out because he deserves it. Because if he hadn't brought it to my attention, we probably wouldn't have connected. I probably would have found you at some point along the way. But again, I just, I want to give back, number one. And number two, I want to give to people who really make this program what it is. And Victor, thank you, buddy, for giving me this insight. And Colby, again, from the bottom of my heart, man, this has been one of my this will be one of my most memorable podcasts just because the realness was there. And um, I love what you're bringing into the world. Thank you, brother. Touched, very touched. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted, and never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.